um, officially started for episode 22. So tonight, we're going to talk about more components, negative attitudes, um, and people who just got all the problems and not the solutions. Um, and, and it's just a big waste of energy. So since we all have the ability to at least attempt to change our misfortunes, why do we still deal with people that do nothing but complain? Uh, we're going to talk about addiction and treatment for those who have this disease or whatever you want to call it, because there's a debate out there right now concerning whether if it's a disease or if it's a choice. And I think that is something that, you know, we should discuss because I think it's based on your own experiences. We do see a lot of uh, treatment that's based off of religion and should religion be allowed in things like this and, and treatment to it. Um, and there's a fine line between religion and medicine. Also, the NFL, shocking news. Uh, they have a new policy in place that will penalize the team if anyone from the team kneels in the national anthem. And I also believe that players will be fined for it. I'm not sure if that's part of the policy or not. So I correct me if I'm wrong. Also, what motivation to succeed? We all have that driving force. Tonight on the Jet Show, we got John, Evan, and Troy. Did I hear Romy in there too? That's affirmative, sir. That's affirmative. We have Romy from the Romy Max show, uh, Two Cents, and also the Locker Room. He's the host of both of those shows. Welcome to the show, brother. And welcome to the show, all of the co-hosts. Appreciate it, brother. Sir, welcome, my boy. Well, I'm going to start with some unrelated news. So I'm not sure if you guys knew or followed anything I was talking about, but I had a friend that was murdered last year. Um, I deal a lot with domestic violence here in uh, Minot. And I had a girl who we were, we were really close, we were tight, and we were trying to get her out of the situation with her, uh, her children's father. This dude was just straight up narcissistic, classic sociopath. Um, he was abusive, controlling, all of the above, man. Everything you could think of, he followed that criteria to a T. Uh, it came to a head last year in August when he thought that she was cheating. And I use that in quotes because they were already broken up. They're, they've been broken up for months. And she was finally getting out on her own, you know, like find her own independence. Uh, they got into it. He ended up stabbing her in the throat. Subsequently, she died after a couple of days in the hospital. Um, and it, it sucked really, really, really bad, man, because I just talked to her tonight, a couple nights before that. And um, she was happy, you know, that she was happy that she was getting independent again. And she was like starting to try to see people again or whatever and getting out more. She ended up being killed by him. Well, today he was convicted of class double A murder. And he is going to spend the rest of his life in jail, which is great. Man, it's hard, man. It's been a hard uh, year. And her family, man, prayers to them. And I hope they get some closure from it. Nothing's going to replace her. But hopefully knowing that to do it is a way and nobody will go through that again with him. Well, hopefully that helps a lot. So. Yeah, yeah, man. Nah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. Prayers, prayers out to her family. I know I heard so. double class A murder. Class yeah. double A felony. So that's the um, the highest class of felony you can receive in um, in this jurisdiction up here in North Dakota. I believe it's like that. It goes by alpha. There's class double A, A, B, and C. Yeah. So, uh, so is it just? Well, that wasn't. Uh, it's not a death penalty case. Just a life in prison. No, no, they they don't. They don't have the death penalty here. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I got, yeah. Yeah, I got freezing temperatures, though. That's, that's, that's about the same. Just yeah, take true. the prisoner, put side in negative 30 degree weather, <laughs> butt ass naked, and, and that's, that's your ass. <laughs> We're dinging. All right. Um, <laughs> yes, we can go on with the uh, topic of the show. So we talk about negative minded mm-hmm. people. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I know I've dealt with a few more already since the last episode. Um, but what, what are we going to do, man? I mean, I know it's hard sometimes because things do get difficult to deal with in life. But I'm thinking sometimes people just like to be that person. Like, that's that person 
that no matter what we're doing, these people are down. They're down and out, and, and they're just the Debbie Donner. I hate to say it again in this episode, but they are a complete drain of life, man. Um, have y'all had any experiences recently? Uh, Every- well, well, the same individual comes to work. So yeah, you know, yeah. With the negative, the negative Nancy thing. I mean, that's a separate topic. The uh, the complainers, you know, people who complain about a situation without taking action. So I mean, it's human nature to complain about something. You know, we all do it from time to time. But when does it get to a point where you got to do something about it? You know. Do you guys find situations where people just complain about the same thing over and over and over and don't take action to fix it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, you know, uh, you know things that go on with the economy, you know, folks mm-hmm. don't realize, you know, the power of local voting, you know, how important that is, myself included, because mm-hmm. I didn't understand that. I knew that, oh, yeah, you vote for the president, but as far as, like, local government and knowing how they affect the things that, you know, that go on in our day-to-day life, that's that was something new to me because I was just just ignorant to the fact, you know. Yeah, I think a lot of us are. A lot of us look at the big picture and not like things that affect you on the day to day. How about uh, how about Troy, man? What do you think about complainers? Complainers can suck a finger. No, honestly, I don't know. I think kind of discussed this on the last show. The complainers never get anywhere. They'd be the main ones talking about. Something needs to change, like presidency or voting. What Mr. Wilkinson brought up. Uh, don't go and vote. Like me, I complain all the time, and I don't do a goddamn thing about it. I just like to complain because I like to hear myself talk, it makes me feel a little bit better about my situation versus you know just sitting there and taking it and running with it. You, well, I mean, I for you, just, oh, I'm sorry. No, I was gonna, just going to ask, not, like, you know, like a family member or anybody that you know that's close to you that complains about something that's not going right in their life. And you gave them good advice and, you know, what to do to fix their situation. But they just continuously complain about it. You know, does it get old after a while? Like, Oh, yeah. We could, we could talk relationships. That's one of the main things you deal with. And most people, mm-hmm. they get married in like a week and a half. And then they tell them something wrong, oh, man. Like, nothing. Or this girl ain't nothing. Like, dude, what are you doing? Like, you need to get a person a chance. You just married this person. You thought it was the right one. So I would say relationships would be a big factor and most of the you know dumb stuff they go on with complainers and stuff like that people would like complain about their situation in life and they don't go out and apply for a better job they'll be working at mcdonald's for the rest of their life and too much man i could never find a job but there's millions of jobs out here it's just you don't know how to apply yourself there's a lot of different ways you can complain and go get them done me myself i'm a complainer so i can't talk yeah no we all <laughs> it's human nature though like i was saying we all we all complain from time to time Maybe you know you get I the point say, uh, i was gonna say no, go ahead. i was saying Jobs, us applying for a job and then expecting a raise within like a couple of weeks. Like, man, what the hell? This job don't pay nothing. What the hell I'm working at? And then you always talk about a raise. You knew goddamn well when you first got there, they weren't going to pay you nothing. Mm-hmm. Complaining, like I said, makes you feel a little bit better inside. <laughs> yeah, no, it makes you feel better. You know, the complaining only goes so far, like I said. You're going to have to take a chance at something. You know, you, like you said, with the job thing, if you're complaining about low wages or, you know, the hours you work or the culture of the job, you got to either make a decision to get out of it, you know, pick a new job or, I mean, you got to take action. That's what what I'm saying. So complaining only goes so far without action. So what do you think? What do you think about it, Evan? Well, I mean, if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. When we complain or bring up something that needs to be addressed, that's great when you first bring it up. So now that we all know the issue, let's come to a solution. 
And I guess the cycle of complaining would just be complain. Somebody say, yeah, I hear you. And you complain. And somebody say, yeah, I got you. And you complain. Something like, all right. You complain, then they ignore you. And you're just talking to yourself, complaining. And you're not coming up with a solution to anything. I think that's the biggest thing. You got to complain. Great. Find a solution. Or ask somebody for a solution. And don't just keep giving the problem. Exactly. You know, we got our serial complainers out there that that's just who they are. And mm-hmm. I guess we can't change those people, but we can just ignore them, I guess, and block them on Facebook and shit like that. <laughs> it's me, guys. I complain. <laughs> <laughs> Troy, I ain't heard you complain about nothing, man. I know. I'll be lying. <laughs> How's it going with the flow? Those niggas go with the flow, to be honest. Ain't nothing to complain about. No. You already know the situation. Exactly. Right. You said it. Once you complain, you identified a problem. <laughs> you identified a problem through complaining, and then you got to take the onus on yourself to change it. You know, like you can't complain Something without you- trying to change what's going on. Is what I'm what I'm saying. And people would just like to complain, but never want to fix it. So that that gets old. The worst part is most things you can't change that you complain about. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, uh, to a point. I mean, there's a lot of things you can complain about, but you also have the, like I said, the the ability to change it. You know, like if you're out of shape, you complain about being out of shape, you can work out. Oh, that's, that's hard, man. You can't just get back in shape. <laughs> right. <laughs> big big booty Judy around here, man. You can't get just in shape. Out. Right. Or, you, like I said, about the jobs or relationships, you can complain about your relationship, but you're going to have to come to a point where you got to make a decision to get out of it or or talk to the person that you're with to fix the problem, you know? I think complainers just don't complain. Haters going to hate. That's the way it's going to be. Mm-hmm. So we're over that now. <laughs> we're done with the hating and the complaining. That's just the way it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And it ain't going to change. Now, so so let's let's move on to um, solutions now. So keys to success. Let's, I guess let's brainstorm a few things that the lay person, the average person wants, needs to do to succeed. So I think number one, if you have a goal, map out the steps to that goal. Like for instance, I wanted a degree in criminal justice, but it took everything in my power to apply for college. Like I did not want to do, I just kept thinking about it. I'm like, man, I'm be too old. Man, what if I can't take information like I used to? Man, it's gonna be like, what do I wear? Books? Can I read still? <laughs> um <laughs> like can I read what am I gonna do? <laughs> That's half the black people's problem now. We can't read. What the hell you mean? <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's a. I mean, that's a good point because honestly, man, I I never joined the military for school. But once I, mean, I got out, I said that a couple I, times, but I was lying. Yeah, me too. That was my excuse to join. But honestly, man, I had nothing going for me at the time. So I'm like, man, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta do something, man. I gotta, I gotta get out of Paso County. So let me join the military. But I use the excuse. Right. I use the excuse for the education benefits and. You know, I didn't use it. And then when I got out, you know, I was like, man, I'm really not, I can't really get a job based off just the fact that I was in the military. So I had to, like you right. said, you know, I, I was never a school person at all, man. I, I I hated school all throughout high school. I I just hated it, man. And I don't know, something clicked. Like I took the leap, man, and I joined and I joined a college and I got a degree and I'm like one of the first people to do it in my family. So yeah, like you said, here, I, yeah, I set a goal and I mean, it's shit. It didn't get me anywhere. I'm still less than four, but you know, I got those degrees. They know my those degrees. <laughs> those degrees. But it's a milestone, you know, it's a, a box that I checked that I thought I couldn't complete, man. And like you said, goals go such a, it's a long, 
it goes a long way in in life. You got to set these goals to uh, accomplish what you want to what you want to do. Not to, when I first started, the thought process of school, it was mm-hmm. I guess it was an act of doing it was the hardest part. Just like when you go to the gym, you can say all day, man, I need to go work out, man, or I'm gonna go tomorrow morning. And in the morning, roll around, you're like, damn, I'm sleepy. Uh, you know what, man? I'll do some push-ups here at home. Man, I'm gonna zero first. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, but once once I got into school and I got over the um, all my own barriers and I put in my own mind, and I was like, you know what, I can do this. You know, it, it's it might be difficult, but it, it can be done. I've already started, so if I fail, you know, it's I can't explain it to anybody else. Like I can't fail something that I told myself was a goal. So, and when it finally happened, man, yeah, it was a milestone. I mean, this was like. It was one of the biggest days of my life because I thought I could never do it. I never thought in my life I'd be in college and get a degree, not a four-year degree. I was like, maybe I get a trade or a vocational or something, but a four-year degree in criminal justice? No, no way, not me. You know, I found out you could take computers to school. <laughs> I, was like, you can <laughs> I can type with what? Are you serious? I was like, why are these people recording the screens? Like, how are you recording this? You can't, that's cheating. You can't record the lecture. Where is it? Okay. I was like, I bet. I got it. I got me a little mini iPad and I had notes and notes and notes and notes. I didn't have to write a damn thing. Man, got me right through school. <laughs> you just a cheap ass nigga, what you saying? No, man. I type, I type my notes. I wasn't cheap. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe to us that had to write notes when we were in high school and we didn't get to take pictures of the, of the slides on the screen, we had to remember it or write it down. Like, literally just write it. Mm-hmm. They got Man. note takers in college now. People that'll take notes for you. You're paying 50 bucks. They'll take notes the whole semester for you. I mean, I'm, I'm going to tell you the worst part about school. This is real. I talked to John about it. It ain't even school. The hardest part y'all did was take the ASVAB. I took the ASVAB four times and still got a 19. And I'm done. That's it. I just can't do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just can't remember me. <laughs> yeah. Did you? Like, were you in the military? No, no, no. I'm no. Just no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was putting the Wait, uh, the course. triangles. In. He was putting the triangles. I think I was studying the wrong book, bro. That's what it was. It was the wrong book. You didn't have the right. Book. Yeah, you didn't write. You didn't have the right edition. I know. What uh, did you have to get on the ASVAB to get in? More than the nineteen. I got nineteen. The highest you right? No, no. In the nineties, right? Nineties is in the nineties. Yeah. Yeah, it's in the nineties. I, I yeah, but at the time, well, at the time, Troy, you probably weren't like fully committed into joining the nah, military, I didn't man. Honestly, yeah. I didn't care. No, nah, I just wanted to exactly. Do yeah, you just want to do it. Four hours test. I was like, oh hell no! It's time to Christmas tree this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, they somehow read with comprehension. I couldn't comprehend after four hours. I'm done with this shit. <laughs> right. Oh my god. And that's the thing. And you're right, man. Like maybe, you know, like you said, with goals and stuff, maybe it comes to a point in time where, you know, you're ready um, maturity wise. Like in high school, I didn't care about school at all, man. Like I didn't. Josh, Josh knows, man, me and him, we had like, I think we had like three or four gym classes, you know, each semester or something Like we didn't care, man. I took every, every type of sport there was volleyball, tennis, just to get out of class, you know? I, yeah, I did a lot of big sports. Yeah, me too. Tons. So with the uh, so, uh, oh no, what else? I just had a fact. What else? I had a check. We had to get a thirty-six in the Air Force to qualify. A thirty-six. So at some point, yeah, I think at that, some point, Troy, you did you did pass, right? Or did you not go to the military? 
No, I didn't do it, man. It just didn't work out too well. Okay. My head started right. at the full house. I wanted to, though. <laughs> I did. All right, anyway, go ahead, Jay. Oh, no, no. With the, uh, like you said, the motivation for success, like what else, what else motivates you? Because you said setting goals, but, uh, you know, is it what else? What else plays a part in success for you guys? Another aspect of being successful is staying consistent. Staying consistent in what yeah. you do. You know what I mean? Like it's just a matter of waiting, being consistent, and waiting for opportunity to arise where you can go to that next level. For instance, us with the uh, with the podcast. You know, been doing my. I've been doing it for it'll be two years in August. So come the you know being proficient in your craft. You know, and waiting for like an opportunity to come up. Let's just say, I don't know, whatever radio station or, or whatever wants to pick up uh, one of our shows or they want to pick us up for a job up there for like to be on the show. If we didn't do it so often, we wouldn't be ready when the time comes. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like being being proficient in, in your being being proficient in your craft, staying consistent with it is uh, definitely a key to success. So I would I, I yeah I would say that's a key to success. No, I agree. A lot of people, a lot of people look at like someone like LeBron James. You know, like talent wise, like he's, I mean, physically, you know, he's the dude is what six seven, two hundred some pounds. Six Right. We don't see exactly, but we don't see the hours that he put in the gym. You know, the the sacrifice, the time away from family, all that stuff that takes. You know, something that it takes to be successful. So, like you said, consistency is a good one. Because before we used to we used to post like a podcast every what three or four weeks, and no one would listen. And it was like now that we're consistent and we do it on a weekly basis, we see more people, you know, tu- tuning in. Yeah, steroids and Gatorade. Steroids and Gatorade for sure. Well, I mean, and also when you got your uh, when you get your steps that you need to take, and once you get it started then focusing on that end game the goal i was thinking in my head when when i first started school am i going to walk across the stage at a college they're going to say my name my degree you know like that's that was unheard of and when that day came i was like this is really about to happen man and i thought about all the work i did all the 10 page papers i waited to the last two days to do <laughs> man I, I did that so much man i procrastinated so much in these papers but you know i read some on facebook and it must be true on facebook that people who procrastinate are geniuses. So I'm a genius. Um, <laughs> exactly. That's what I did all my life. Nah, nah, Me too, man. Oh, man. Me too. I'm a last minute. Reason. I'm a last minute guy, man. Kobe Bryant, shot clock. Oh, yeah. oh and here's, here's the game break, man. Uh, right now, go to state down one, 75-76 for the Rockets. And it's the fourth quarter with 10-21 left. That was cool, Chris Berman. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. And Chris Berman. <laughs> You do all, all kinds of What are you doing with your life? Great rabbit. Anyway. Man, I just watched that. It's on Netflix. I just watched it yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Tell a fun story about about Evan in the movie theater. We go see what was it, Gridiron Gang, and oh the God. lady and she's a white kid, <laughs> and his mom looked just like Eminem's mom in uh, in Eight Mile, Kim Basinger, and she rolls up at the game. It's stands up in the movie theater talking about what are you doing for your life that's so great rabbit <laughs> man whole theater man <laughs> man who goes to the movies with the boys anymore man like yeah. we used to do that that's, that's crazy like we would man, man yeah. the movie. everybody I know. Out. and it wasn't gay yeah. it wasn't gay at all <laughs> no, not at all <laughs> come on see, see here we go Troy oh, how about right. overseas 
How about overseas <laughs> the movie theaters that had the uh the intermission? Oh Remember yeah, that? man in Turkey. Yeah. yeah, that was the weirdest thing in the world, man. Like mid movie, like it would just shut off and say intermission, and you get like fifteen minutes. Hey, that's like, like, right outside the theater, smoke inside the mall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's how they did it in Turkey. It was like. And it was always at a good part of the yeah. movie. What movie so did they you watch? I don't even remember. It wasn't Troy. It was something like that, though, I think. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't remember, man, but I know when that movie stopped, and I was like, that's not the end. And <laughs> people went outside the theater, inside the mall, man, and everybody just started smoking. So I was like, what <laughs> is going on, man? Yeah, yeah it, was, it was so weird, man. I don't know if you guys seen recently. What, what was the guy from John? Was it John Stewart? Was that his show? Yeah, the Daily uh, Show. Day, Daily, Daily. Show. Yeah. Yeah. yeah who is the Brit? Who is the British guy that had like a spinoff? He's on HBO right now. Oh, Trevor. Not Trevor. No, no, Tre- no Trevor. Trevor. No, Trevor. Trevor Noah has the the actual show, the Daily mm-hmm. Show. Yeah. You know the the white guy with the glasses? He's on HBO. Yeah, he has his own show. Uh, that's really not a good description, but. What's that? <laughs> uh, <Colton? laughs> but anyway, um, you said it's a British. It's a British dude. Yeah, I think he's British. Is it Dan Colbert? No, it's not him either. Yeah, let me see, man. Hold on, let me look it up. I was gonna say he's not British. He's from South Carolina. <laughs> well, anyway, he had. Well, the reason why I got the idea about the treatment stuff was he had a piece about it saying that uh, you know, all these uh addiction recovery centers and stuff are popping up throughout the country. You know, they're not really being regulated as much. And a lot of them are religious based. So you know, with the treatment aspect, do you think that? You, like a facility like that, should it be solely based on religion? Cause, or do those two things mix? You know, like a treatment and religion, is it something that should go together? Well, with the, uh, my mom, she was a heavy, heavy drinker, man. Um, and when she stopped drinking, she was going to treatment. And the treatment it was, it was uh, based on Christianity. But I think the reason why is because most of these treatment facilities are sponsored by churches. So a lot of them do have that aspect of, uh, you have to find a higher power to help you get over your addiction. This is just my opinion. You will get people that go from being addicted to a substance to fully indulging in religion and almost being addicted to that. You know, if, if that makes sense. Um, and, and sometimes it may, it may do just as much damage. It's not curing the addiction. Part of that person is just trading one addiction for another, which is not a terrible thing, but that person may not have been religious before they went in there and now they are so how credible is it or how true is it are they truly converted or are they just addicted to something else now do i think they mix yes i do i do think people need something to hold on to because a lot of these people not just alcohol but you know uh opiates and other drugs they are they feel lonely so they need something to to, to grasp onto that are giving some type of faith and hope and religion is the easiest and the closest thing that you can do, and it's damn near free to provide, right? So mm-hmm. I think that's why that's why religion is in there like that. Yeah, anybody else? Over. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Josh just said too, and also they don't pay taxes for the most part. A lot of these people get grant uh-huh. monies and stuff, so you can see. You know, a lot of these people popping up, these facilities, some of them are even halfway houses that aren't really treatment. You know, they pose, you know, treatment providers, but they're really just out to get a check. Uh, Troy, sure. you probably seen it. I mean, we've seen it on a day-to-day basis in our job, you know? Every day. Yeah, every day. I, 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 was, I, almost, opened, I almost wanted to open myself a halfway house just to put them in there. 
So I can yeah, that's what I was exactly. You can see you can see firsthand. You can see firsthand these people preying on someone you know that's and going through a rough patch in their life, you know, and and just seeing them as as a paycheck. Exactly, very true. You know, especially if you're hiding behind religion and God, you know, would you want to turn down God in a time of need? Uh, I wouldn't. You never know if you can't trust the money nowadays. That's what I really. So what do you think? You think? I mean, do you think that they should be, do you think there should be more regulation on these uh, treatment providers? I mean, what kind of regulations are we talking about? Because, yeah, like, really, degrees? <laughs> oh, well, see, sometimes they're not actually treating anybody. They may not have any addiction counselors that can actually, um, or doctors that can provide any type of uh, actual treatment, like with medication or, you know, psychologists, something like that. A lot of these places don't have that. They just have, like, groups and have, uh, addiction counselors, which you don't have to, you can't prescribe any medication for. You can just talk to people about stuff. So I think the funding regulated, I don't know. Cause I don't really know how they are funded. If they're, a lot of them are paid for by people's insurance, but some people don't have insurance. So the ones that they go to are the ones sponsored by the churches, which are, you know, getting tax kickbacks and stuff like that. So I'm not sure how to regulate it because really it's they're not really drawn on the government for anything. Not that I know. Well, no, some of these are uh, government-owned businesses that prey on the weak. And mm-hmm. like John said, uh, I think if you want to help somebody, you should at least have some background in mental health or something like that, or have a damn degree in that subject. You can't be like mm-hmm. criminal justice if you have a degree in anything. If you want to help somebody with a life situation, like getting off meth or dosing drugs or whatever. I think you should know about meth or something like that. You shouldn't just be in there like, oh, I've never been on meth myself. I've never been in a lifestyle. I grew up in a great neighborhood. My family's been always taken care of. How are you going to help somebody like that? That's what I'm saying. You got a point there. So, um, but, you know, there there are mental health providers that have uh, certifications and things like that. I think for treatment to be proficient, you've got to be somewhere where they have the, the medication to also help you in a physical sense, not just spiritually and, and mentally. They got to have some medication to wean you off whatever you're on and actually, you know, keep you alive. Because some people, they, they can die from things like that, from getting taken off the drug so fast or True. or maybe having bad reactions to the anti-drug, whatever they give you, the fentanyl. And that's a hard subject, man, because really this country is riddled with drugs. And I think if half of the people had adequate treatment, it'd be it'd be a better case for us. It'd just be better all around. I would say the drugs are a huge problem here in Minot. Uh, it's big. I mean, Minot ain't that big. I'm talking like 60-some thousand people, maybe. I'm telling you, it's, it's 20,000 on drugs. And meth, meth is rampant. Yeah, everywhere. I don't even know how you pick up meth. Is that like, let's do some meth together? Like, what, what, how the hell would you even ask me to do some shit like that? Well, like, you know, I, they got it. <laughs> Exactly. And I, I seen, I seen, <laughs> I seen this one study, this one study that they said like meth, you know, once you smoke it or like the first time, you know, it totally rewires your brain, you know, and you're pretty much hooked forever after that. I don't know if it's yeah, completely yeah. true, but I, I mean, out of all, yeah, out of, out of all the drugs and like, you know, you see the pictures, like the faces of meth, like to, to see what it does to you and still want to do it. You know, you got to have some, some mental issues for sure, man. Oh, definitely. You know, and I don't think you can pray about things like that, man. Like some things boil down to science and, and like you said, medication and, you know, you, you right. need that to get 
off these types of drugs. You know, you can't pray about it all the time, you know. And I've seen and I've seen places like that where, you know, it's just solely religious based, you know, like go to church on Sunday and, you know, pray about it and all this other. Exactly. Exactly. So it's hard, man. Yeah. And we talked about it last episode, you know, some of the churches are solely for profit, you know, that's what they want <laughs> is the money. So I don't know. Sure. It's, a, it's it's hard. Anybody that's hiding behind religion, you know, how can you call them out on that? It's kind of a, a tough thing to do, you know? Right. Well, you know, with the drug epidemic here in the United States, um, I mean, in, in all actuality, and I'm not harping on the government about this stuff 100%. If we wanted it to stop, it will be stopped already. I think that too many people in too high positions are making money off of this. And it's either the drugs on the street or the drugs being prescribed. Either way, they're out there and they're being sold and somebody's making a grip and it ain't us. So we, we sit there trying to solve the problem from the bottom level and it's got to start up top. And I think that's the reason why there's not a lot of treatment facilities, not enough. It never seems like there's enough treatment facilities out there. That's because there isn't, you know? There's mm-hmm. not enough room in jail, and there's not enough treatment facilities out there. So where they go? They're on the streets. All right. Well, let's. Well, that's a good topic, man. Is like, because a lot of times these people will will go to jail or prison for, you know, a, an addiction of something, you know. So right. And it puts it puts a burden on taxpayer, and you know, it's overcrowding in prisons, and but a lot of them are for nonviolent, you know, drug offenses and stuff like that. So. Obviously, we see that we need some kind of outside of prison resource, you know, some treatment facilities. You shouldn't go to you shouldn't go to prison solely based on the fact that you're an addict. Right. Yeah, it don't make no sense. You never get the help you need. Yeah. Well, that's you, the, you, you still get drugs in prison. Fine. But when you turn possession into a crime, you know, you take away the mental the, uh, the addiction aspect of it um, because they had it. Now they're a criminal. So now they're going to prison or jail where there is no treatment. You know, you're just sitting there. But they're not in jail long enough to get off the shit because they get kicked right back out. They get fed kicked, you know, kicked right uh-huh. back out. And they get kicked out with no services. You know, you can't, uh-huh. they don't kick them out to a treatment facility. They kick them out to the streets. And I'm seeing people here in Minot in and out of jail, man. Like, they're on meth. They got possession charges. They got robbery charges, burglary charges, possession charges possessing charges, mm-hmm. intent to distribute charges, and they go in and out, in and out, in and out, and it's not solving the issue, you know, because everything is fueled around that addiction. Yeah, a lot of the, I mean, a lot of the char- most of the charges, most of the charges are just stemmed off the fact that they are addicted, you know, like you said, all those charges have to do with his addiction. So, he right. gets to a point where he's robbing people and being a menace to society only because he's addicted to drugs. Now, in your case, though, Jay, I mean, what, what are you looking at? What percentages? Oh man, you could probably say it's <laughs> over. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be. Oh my god, yeah, it's in the eighties, man, for sure. I mean, you get. Oh yeah, yeah, you get. It's all. Yeah, it's all drug related, man. You know, like these people are just, and and you know, like a lot of times you you would see a situation where you know they need help, but the only resource you have is to send them to jail. Exactly. That is the only help they can get sometimes because yeah, that's, the, that's the only option you got. You know, a lot of people for like mental health situations or stuff like that, you know, it's the funding, uh, bed space. You know, sometimes they don't have the bed space, so they got to sit in jail until a bed opens up. It's true. Right. 
you know? So, um, so what, what percentage do you see that come out actually get the help they need or gets off the drug? That's rare. Yeah, rare, man. I got some that, that, that actually changed. But they got to want to change for themselves. That's the only issue. Because there's a lot mm-hmm. of speaking programs out there. But if the person don't want to change, then you know, they'll have to. I had tennis girls that'll say, they'll say, oh, man, they they provide a good treatment, you know, but I wasn't willing to change. So I didn't really listen to what they were saying. I was just trying to figure out when I can get my next drug hit. Now, you know, it's, uh, I guess the, the alarming part about that is probably every inner city or major city has the same problem y'all got. So if you look at that, man, and you look at all these major cities with 80%, and that's lowballing it, all the caseloads of POs are drug-related offenders. Holy shit. That is, I mean, that's a good have literally, of people, man. They literally have mm-hmm. drug offices because there's so much drugs. They have to do what? They have drug offender offices, strictly just drugs. So that the whole caseload is 100% drug-related. I do not about, know that. So what are y'all? About 95% of mine is drug-related. I'm a community control officer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got a mix of everything. I don't I don't do house arrest, but I got a I mix. House and, arrest. Yeah, you see, you see it almost every single like say a person violates or something, you know, like majority of the recommendations are to get them into some kind of treatment facility or some kind of drug court, identify they need help. <laughs> but the resources are limited, man. You can't really send them to anywhere. The worst part is, even if they got the treatment, they're going to go back and get out and go back to the same residence, which they're going to do the drugs again. Because I had some people who got out of, you know, they call it 12-month inpatient treatment. They're mm-hmm. going there for 12 months. They get clean, whatever, you know. They get out. They get let back into the same place because they ain't got no other people to go to. And their friends will come right over with the meth. Like, hey, you want to hit this again? You just got out. I know you don't want to do it. But and then they just fall right back into the same pattern. So it's almost like it's a trap. So it's kind of like they can't wow. change, they, even if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. That, that is honestly that's sad, and that is sad to hear. Um, I didn't know yeah. the numbers were that high, man. That is something oh, yeah. else. And I would I would say that's everywhere. <laughs> every county, yeah. every state probably has the same, you know, the same numbers. And like you said before, with the regulation, but you know, the we're creating the problem by the pharmaceutical companies. You know, like we we know that we're over as a society, and and then. Like down here where we live, there's a lot of pain management clinics, man. And, you know, these people, if they're willing to pay 100 or $200, man, they can get a script pretty much everywhere or anywhere. All they got to do is say they got a back problem. That's exactly. The All my back's hurting. Oh, here's some pills for you. But then they'll say, mm-hmm. oh, since you're addicted to opiates, let me get some opioids. <laughs> like, let's keep it going. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They give you another. They, you're addicted to something. They give you something else to take. For that addiction, you know, and then you become addicted to that, or 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 uh, not even that. They'll get you the same thing that you're addicted to, so you can make sure that it's not something else you get addicted to. Mm-hmm. Since you've been doing opiate, your body's used to it, so I'll just give you this. But I don't want to get you on a new drug, because then you start doing opiates and the other drug. <laughs> so kind of- <laughs> yeah, I think our country has the worst addiction problem in the world, man. No, I, I, I probably, yeah. I think that's a, a true, you know. And now, 
drugs, it's anything. I mean, we're addicted to what? cell phones. Yeah, cell phones. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Sure. We're addicted to drugs. You haven't seen a fiend until you've seen a woman lose her cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> or anybody. You know, or, you ever seen the two times and this woman who lost it, who left his cell phone and his woman got it. That motherfucker freaks the fuck out, yo. <laughs> I mean, you gotta think about it. They got naked photos, sex tapes, ex boyfriends, all kind mm-hmm. of stuff going on. People be hiding. They, yeah. they got a whole other life well, to fill. But we we have uh, we created a dependency on our cell phones anyway because now you can't do shit without one. So I mean, jobs, you know, interviews. Uh, you got to call for something. You got every every inch of technology at your fingertips. Um, it's your connection to the wash and dryer. That motherfucker said it was a shower. I know. <laughs> what the hell is that? <laughs> somebody wants to know what's going on in the shower. Yeah, someone, hop, someone hopped in the shower. Did your phone jump in the shower? <laughs> what kind of shower is like that? I mean, you really turn into a jet show, man. Jet stream show. Just water. Good job, man. All right. <laughs> Man, oh man, we need a studio. I'm shutting it down. Oh wait, are we? <laughs> yeah, we do, man. Yeah. Well, you guys, you guys want to close it out with the uh, the NFL thing? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'll let you guys take it, man. What what's the uh, what's your guys your take on the, uh, the? So pretty much all the owners ruled on the uh, penalty or the fine for players taking a knee, right? Right. What they what they did now is uh, and so many owners abstained the vote. So every owner didn't vote, but the ones that did vote, it was a unanimous decision to uh, they're going to find the, the teams, not the players in the visit, to find a team if any players kneel during national anthem. So what they did was they gave them the option to stay in the locker room during the national anthem. And the reason why, from the uh, commissioner, they said that we want the anthem to be respected. Now, I have a few issues with that because... It's not disrespect, and I don't know why we keep having to over-explain this shit, because I think that people know what it is, they just are afraid to say it. Or the NFL, they're just pretty much putting their heads in the sand right now. You know, the fan base of the NFL is telling people that, telling them that it's disrespectful to the flag or the anthem or our troops or whatever the fucking case may be. But that's not it. Like, people don't understand. It's not about disrespecting the anthem. It has nothing to do with our troops or veterans. It has nothing mm-hmm. to do with the war and nothing like that. It's showing that people recognize there's an issue in the country and that we need to address it. And police brutality is at the root of that mess. So the, the NBA ain't doing that. You know, I don't know if y'all saw Steve Kerr's response to this, but he had a pretty, mm-hmm. uh, a pretty good response to it all. And he pretty much said that the NFL, they just, they don't want to deal with it. They just you know, took a backseat to the fan base and they are letting um, the NFL pretty much run over people's rights. If you don't like the national anthem, by all means, kneel. You know what I'm saying? But it ain't got nothing to do with the national anthem. It's the message that you want to protest silently and peacefully. Now you're taking that away. So what does that leave? Now I got to be loud and violent. So mm-hmm. I think they really, they, they taking the L on this one, man. I think it's going to cause a lot of issues. And I'm, I'm interested to see the first game, even preseason. How this is going to go? Yeah, no, I don't. I don't see why they felt like you know they gotta penalize players for exercising their their rights as an American. I don't. I don't understand that. Uh, 
I don't know, me being in the military and serving my country, you know, I, I'm proud that someone can exercise their right in America, you know? Right. I, you know, that's like something that regardless of what you do, like it shouldn't make me feel a certain type of way or not listen to you. And we already had that conversation back a few episodes ago, you know, about, you know, your map and you can't, like for me, I can't say something of another person because I don't see it through your eyes. And that's empathy, you know, to see through the eyes of another person. So right. how, you know, how can I say what you're doing is wrong? But I also feel like you're doing the right thing and you're exercising your right that we all fought for, man. It's a constitutional right. Right. And I think more people should exercise a right. You know, when people say, hey, my job sucks or I don't get paid enough or you know, they're treating me unfairly, but we still continuously go to that same job every day, complain about it, but we don't do anything, you know? <laughs> every day. Every day. Shut up and, and that's what I, And that's what I'm saying. <laughs> exactly. And that's the, the main part was the complaining. Like, we complain and complain and complain and complain, but eventually you got to take action. So Kaepernick took action, and hey, that's what listen. you should do. <laughs> Listen, we as owners, I mean, we, we as, uh, you know, the NFL, we don't want to hear any of that shit you guys are talking about. I want you to go out there, stand for that fucking anthem. You know, don't disrespect the anthem. Forget those guys that were walking with pitchforks and shit and uh, tiki torches in, in Charlottesville. You know, that's that's right. not disrespecting America. Fuck oh, that. No, that's fine. But uh, God forbid you guys take knees out there for that damn flag. We don't want to hear it. Shut up and play. We're paying you. We want you to go out there. Force patriotism. That's what the fuck is going on, okay? We want you to go you out there. You know, you know, we we're all about um supporting uh patriotism, so that's what we're gonna do. And you know, my cowboys, we went out there, we took a knee before the anthem. That's when you do it. You pro you do a formal protest before the anthem. But which doesn't make any remember, fucking sense because protesting the anthem. Remember, <laughs> but this isn't, I mean, if you're like someone that, you know, you read on history and stuff like that, this isn't nothing new, man. Like, athletes have been speaking out and doing things like this for years, oh, man. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's nothing new. The Olympics. You, the, the, if, if they really wanted to make a fucking statement, now that they've said this, everybody, everybody in the NFL, don't play. Don't play. Just don't fucking play football this year. I promise you. And that's the thing, man. I'm not not somebody that's trying to feed their family. But if you really want to make change, I'm trying to tell you, it's not, you know, they're not going to do it on morals. They got to do, you got to invade their pockets. So you playing football makes them money. So if you don't Mm -hmm. play football, they don't make money. It's really, it's very simple, but you got your own shit to deal with at home. You know what I mean? Anybody trying to hear that shit? I got a car payment. You done bought a Lamborghini and all this shit. You going out there, you know, pretty much, you know, playing football. That sounds like a choice. I said it. I said it. Oh, all right. All right. I'm gonna get yeah for sure man I just all I, the I, comments I, on this podcast do not reflect that of the host as I used to say but um 
Yeah, it's all solely on Romy Mac. You're more than welcome to follow me on, on my YouTube channel <laughs> or subscribe on iTunes and me some other shit. All right. Oh, uh, too late now, man. What was I going to say? Do you guys uh, follow uh, Jamil? Is it Jamil Hill? Jamil? Jamal? Jamil. I hope her name isn't Jamil. Jamal. But yeah, Jamil. <laughs> Jamil. That's what I meant. Yeah, she said, uh, this, this is what she tweeted about. She said, fans are quick to tell black athletes they don't have a right to speak up about anything because they're rich. But they're gladly listen to rich white guys rich all day white. who they have nothing in common with, who wouldn't give them a sip of water if they were dying of thirst. She may have been so on you, point lately with... Uh, I mean, that was a yeah, good one because, on. you know, why do we... That's the narrative that I hear all the time, man. It's like, all oh, these guys are rich. You know, what are they complaining about? You know what I'm saying? So, like, just because yeah. they have money. Yeah. <laughs> just because you have money that, that doesn't mean you still don't get treated unfairly. Yeah. But, I mean, and that, that's what people are saying. You're, you're rich. Why, why are you complaining about this? You... You don't have these problems, you know. Put your rich black ass down and uh, mm-hmm. play that really? game. <laughs> that's what. I was, that's I was rich, but I mean, you gotta the the platform to do this. And and mind you, if if all the black people stop playing football, it's gonna be a bunch of white people playing football, and the whole game's gonna be field goals. So it's gonna be boring as <laughs> shit. <laughs> I don't, know. I don't know. I mean, Jordan Nelson and Aaron Rodgers, they'll, they'll fill up some seats. Mm-hmm. They, they're going to throw a long pass. They're going to get to the 20. And nobody else can find. So it's going to be a field goal. You get to see Travis Kelsey do a whole bunch of uh, hip-hop dance. Um, you can listen to Cole Beasley's mixtape. That motherfucker rapping now and shit. Like that ass. Cole Beasley's rapping. Y'all got to check that shit out. Everybody's rapping, bro. Yeah, man. I don't. I don't know what they want from us, man. Yeah. Um. Game break. Ninety four. Ninety five. Houston up one. Twenty two seconds left in the fourth quarter. Oh, oh, oh shit. I'm sorry. Ninety four. Ninety six with ten seconds left in the fourth quarter. Man, aren't they in H Town? Uh yes, they are. Oh, Beyonce at the game. I know she is thick ass. Here you go. Here you go, buddy. Get it canceled. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> But well, I can we say, got, we got hey, yeah. what y'all show that shit? I mean, I'll talk about Kanye, get canceled, talk about Beyonce, everything with, it ends in eight. Is, it, is, it, is that what it is? Kanye, Wanye, fucking boys. USA. Damn. North Korea, y'all shutting the studio down. Oh, Let's talk about your president saying that they be deported if you don't uh, stand for the flag. How about that? Uh, when did he say that? He said that today. How about that? Orange motherfucker. <laughs> Cancel. All right. I'm going to tell you what. It ain't my president. <laughs> 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 he should be deported. I don't even know where Cheetos come from. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where Cheetos come from. <laughs> That's what he said. He wants us. He said, "Yeah, you guys need to be deported for not standing for that flag, man." Fuck everything else. You can you can curse down everybody that doesn't look like you in America, but you better not kneel for that fucking flag. That makes no sense. I don't understand what we're teaching our kids these days, but. I know we got like what, maybe two minutes left, so I know you have to close out. I appreciate y'all having me on the show. Oh, for sure, man. Yeah, we got like a minute left, so everybody do a little shout outs, and we're on iTunes now, so you can log into iTunes and shout out to my cousin Bookie yep. on the left. Yep, hit the uh, <laughs> podcast and there you go. Um, and yeah. I think you can buy the picture of him. 
Yeah, me too. I, I just seen it. Oh, oh man. Right. About to go, man. Thank everybody for listening. I hope you guys uh subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and um you know next show, call in, give some input. Look out for Romy Mac and uh Grimbo's new C D is coming out soon. How about your boy? <laughs> That's right, Mitch. That's right, Mitch. <laughs> Jay, you gonna say goodbye to people or what? <laughs> Something. I mean, come on. No, I'm done. After I said Jamal Hill, I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) That's the name of the show. Jamal Hill. God damn it. Damn right. All right, man. (laughs) Good night, guys. Good night. All right.